Welcome to the Vita Foods Insights Podcast. Join us as we explore the latest in science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is Charlotte Bastianza, Associate Editor. Hi, and thanks for tuning into this Vita Foods Insights podcast. I'm joined today by Gillian Fish, who is the founder of the 6AM agency. This is an Australian-based agency specializing in PR, corporate communications, and brand marketing with a heritage in the health and wellness industry. Interestingly as well, the 6AM agency is also the preferred supplier for complementary medicine Australia. Um, Jill, thanks so much for joining me. It's great to have you on board today. Thank you very much, Charlotte. Good to talk with you. So today we're talking about brand marketing in the COVID-19 transition world. And we call it the transition world because while I think 2021 is really imagined as a year of recovery, I think things are still continuing to change all over the world. There's some countries, um, certainly here in Europe, going back into strict lockdowns, with just which just means further economic distress and consumer shifts happening all over again. So I think it's really tough for companies operating in the health and nutrition industry to, to keep up with all of this change and to adapt their business models when they don't really have a clear picture of what the future looks like. But in the new world, we will inevitably have elements of the past while other things may never go back to normal. Um, and when we look at the health and nutrition industry, I think there's certainly been renewed interest in, in some categories, especially immune health and even personalized nutrition, um, as consumers are really looking to take a proactive approach to preventative health. But we also have to consider the the issue of decreased spending power in the case of many people where investment in nutrition purchases can be deemed non-essential and even luxury at times. So those investments are sometimes being paused. But nevertheless, I think many companies are reporting strong sales. And my question now, Jill, um, let's start off about the fact that, you know, the health and nutrition industry has seen renewed um, supply chain and consumer interest over the duration of the pandemic. But some companies have adapted with pretty proactive brand marketing, while others have held back. Um, how have leading brands adapted their marketing strategies and how has this translated into success in comparison to some of the conservative counterparts? Thank you, Charlotte. And what an interesting time to be talking to you. And also thanks to the team at Vital Foods Insights. Indeed, it is a very interesting time. It's a disrupted time and one that has seen the health and well-being industry catapulted to the forefront of commerce and the lives of our consumers. Um, I guess, as you say, different brands have reacted differently and, and there's got to be a reason for that. Um, what I want to do is in answering that question is firstly give you my point of view on the top two things that brands that have succeeded and brands that seem to be lagging behind and then we'll take a step back and look at context. Number one is brands that have embraced the new digital world are the ones that are sure to be the ones to, to perform better and to engage better with their audiences in the medium to long term and to succeed and survive. Secondly, is brands that have really lent in and listened very deeply to their audience's needs at this time, which have changed dramatically due to circumstances, are the ones that have more relevance and the ones that are going to succeed in the medium to long term. But let's take a step back and look at the overarching environment. 
we've traversed a time where there's been significant and very rational government messaging, quite sterile, it's been clear, concise, to the point, and it's been void, as we know, of emotion, and so it should be. Yet it's a time where audiences actually need support. They need emotional support. They need trusted advice to get through this challenging time. So brand messaging that has come through with a human heart, showing care and support is the one that's been noticed. And I'm going to give an example of something that's outside of the health and wellbeing range, more in hygiene, is that is the voice of Dettol. Dettol in Australia have done an amazing job during this time. Apart being, uh, from being functional, what they've done is they've also lent into the needs of the community through an emotional connection, through the promotions that they've done, the partnerships that they've done to accelerate support during this time. So the other thing which you mentioned um, earlier on is that move towards personalised medicine, personalised healthcare and prevention. And we've seen particularly in Australia and I would imagine globally, a rapid acceleration of the role of the healthcare practitioner. The pharmacist, for example, has attained amplified authority. Now they're working much closer with GPs during the pandemic. And of course, we know that most pharmacies, apart from scheduled drugs, are looking at selling a large amount of their business comes through vitamins and mineral sales. So that personalised healthcare has been uh, had been already accelerating prior to COVID-19, but now it's been amplified further. And we're seeing that significant increase in practitioner supplement sales. That's via clinic. And that's been further enabled by telemedicine, e-health, etc., which has enabled consumers to reach their practitioners and thereby also reach the supplements, the nutrition advice, et cetera, that they've required in a far more accessible way. So brands that have been successful have really been the ones that have leveraged what we call behavioral change cues. And they've also embraced the technological evolution to craft their campaigns. Let's look at advances in e-health and e-commerce over the past eight months, rapid acceleration driving up accessibility for all, but brands can no longer have second-rate digital businesses and ecosystems. That's absolutely fundamental. So the other thing is, as I mentioned earlier, is understanding where the audience is in terms of sentiment. During this overwhelmingly negative and stressful time for some, some have seen it as a trauma, some have seen it as an opportunity, but particularly during the beginning of COVID, when we went into that very fast lockdown, they replaced judgment with relevance to the time. Um, and by doing that, what they did was they pivoted towards supporting their audiences with positivity, providing hope, and they, they positioned themselves as a trusted partner. And in answering your question, I think that those are the two key things that the brands who are succeeding and will continue to succeed have really embraced. Um, yeah, I think that that's really mm. sums up the two key points. Fantastic summary, Jill. Thank you so much for sharing those findings. Um, you mentioned uh, brands who have pivoted to digital and really leaned into their buyer. And I think the companies that have appealed to people's human side, I think that's really crucial, have really positioned themselves for success over the pandemic. Uh, but as we know, things continue to change. And every time we think we're um, you know, getting towards a solution, we're back in a lockdown, we're back into restrictions. So 
2021, I think, will still be very much this transition year that we keep saying, uh, with some aspects returning to normal, other things never really becoming the same. So there's no guarantee, I suppose, that what works now will work in the future. But I think it's also entirely possible that what's working now is what we will, what will continue to work actually in the years to come. As you say, things like the rise of e-commerce was a trend we were seeing; it's just been accelerated. But I think that is the future, really. Um, and this digital first mindset is one we've also seen really accelerate over this year. Um, but my sort of interest now is how these trends that we've observed in 2020 will kind of shape the year to come. Um, I think lifestyles will will change quite permanently. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more flexible, very home-based working, at least for the first half of next year. And, and I think a lot of companies are adapting that that model quite permanently. So we could expect to see consumers, you know, tweak their eating and personal health habits. This digital first mindset that we've spoken about means that people are spending almost all of their time in front of a screen, if not, you know, work, leisure, retail, this is, you know, how they're behaving. And as you say, it's so important for brands to understand the behavioral side of their their customer. Um, so, Jill, how do you see interest in health and nutrition shifting at consumer level? Um, you know, what are the trends you're projecting into the future and what does this mean for brands? So, I think one of the key trends that we're seeing is we are seeing a redefining of what matters to consumers. And it's a term that we've coined and we've we've learned about that we coined that we call essentialism. And what is essentialism? Essentialism has risen out of the fact that we've had an abrupt halt to our lives. Suddenly overnight, nations over the through the globe have been thrown into that lockdown. And apart from the ensuing stress and chaos, as things started to settle down, and this is a good few months ago. What we've done is, as people, as human beings, if we started to peel back the layers and say to ourselves, what is really important in our lives? And you've got to say to yourself, well, how does that affect a brand? Well, it's really important because what it's doing is it's redefining the decisions that we are making in terms of our daily lives, in terms of three pillars. Number one is how we spend our time. We are no longer busy, busy, busy. Yes, there is pace, particularly in business and so forth. But the need to run from pillar to post to appointments, etc. Three uh, 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 um, appointments with our children every weekend has really slowed down. And now it's about spending our time smartly, leanly in doing things that really fill up our cup and that don't deplete. And you'll say, well, what has that got to do with health and well-being? That's one of the key pillars of essentialism, which helps calm, which helps refocus, which helps point us in directions which we had previously forgotten about, rituals we had conducted, which we'd left you know, behind. We were late home from work. We weren't eating dinner with our children. We weren't uh, thinking about what mattered to us. So essentialism, the first pillar about how we spend our time is one major change. Secondly is who we spend our time with. Essentialism really shines a spotlight on the need to be cognitive of who fills us up, who we want to spend that time with, and in fact, who we want to gently let go. So the, the, the need to have a better balance in life, less stress, more pleasure 
in a very measured way, in a, in a way that actually is quite self-serving, is really important. And lastly, essentialism looks at the way and the amount we consume things, including health products, foods, FMCG, etc. What is it that we truly need and want, what can we stop purchasing? So health and nutrition sales, as we know, have accelerated as we spend more time focusing on building our health, on understanding what is most important for us, on building our immunity, which is what you um, spoke about earlier in this. But there are other trends that we also need to be conscious of, which will inform everything from our product innovation as brand holders to our ingredient selection right through to marketing and distribution. And here they are. Number one is consumers are seeking the truth and transparency in all we do, all we consume, and how we spend our time. But the key is this, with the rise in stress and anxiety around COVID, job losses, and more, consumers have sought to pare down and make simpler decisions um, and connect with brands on a deeper level. Brands now need to have relevance. They need to give quality and not necessarily quantity. So that's where brands are looking at innovating product releases and product launches. It's more about making it simpler for the consumer, but more effective in what they actually do choose. And those brands that realize that too much choice can be overwhelming, and none of us want to be overwhelmed more than we need to, may end up losing a consumer. Instead, what we've got to do is be clear, simple about the product SKUs that we have. The other thing is, another trend that we're seeing is consumers are seeking for things to be distilled down, makes, made simpler. We look at how we communicate, we look at our website, we look at our digital assets. They have to be simple and to the point, but they've also got to have that value exchange. So time is precious, right? It's the most pre precious commodity that we have. Um, the simpler we can make it, but with the most value, is going to build that better relationship, that trusted partnership. And it will help reduce anxiety around choice, et cetera, and ultimately increase sales of a product. Again, I'll say, you know, this time has been marked by many challenges, financial, emotional, relationship, and that sense of loss. We were all thrown into a situation where we were thrown out of control. We literally left, lost control overnight of how we were working and so forth. And the more a brand can help the consumer to feel in control, <clears throat> pardon me, that they're getting value, and importantly, that value exchange, which I've just spoken about, the more we're going to build loyalty. So we can't ignore that. Mm -hmm. This really talks to what I said, you know, in the first question that you asked me, is we have to be deeply sensitive to the nuances of change that our audiences and our customers have gone through. The other thing is, um, it's about, you know, we talk about that herd mentality. Safety comes in numbers. We need to understand that pandemic or not, consumers are led by others. And now more than ever, 
They are looking for recommendation. They are leaning into the pharmacist. They are leaning into portals with digital reviews. They are leaning into endorsements by people that they trust. And brands need to look for ways that they can build that. They can build that safety, that that feeling or perception of safety and that perception that there are many other people who are leaning into it. And importantly for health and nutrition, when making choices, we want to know what ingredients are in our products. We want to know where they come from. We want to know how they're sourced. So, you know, the rise and rise of organization and accreditation like B Corp, which um, are linked to you, uh, the sustainable, UN sustainability goals, which talk about provenance, which talk about ethical manufacturing, etc., are all part of um, uh, the brand marketing and brand positioning that brands need to take into consideration now. Now more than ever, it's about building that trust and that authority. And it takes time. There are multiple touch points. You know, the the team at Gaia several years ago did it very well, Gaia Herbs, where they launched um, their website that showed the provenance from literally from soil to table um, um, of their products. Um, And that is just going to become de rigueur now. So yeah, I think that there Mm. are a number of trends and there are many, many more authenticity in storytelling, transparency, absolute transparency that needs to be taken into account um, in order to be successful and traverse this time. Thanks, Jill. That has certainly given us plenty to think about. And I really love um, your explanation of essentialism and how health and well-being really stands as a priority pillar. Um so now looking at some of the health categories that have been trending um, over the pandemic year and have, have really drawn further consumer interest, um, I just want to sort of touch on that now. So certainly ones that stand out are um, immune health and gut health, especially as the consumer understands a bit more about how those two systems interact. And I think cognitive health is certainly another prominent market as consumers look to tackle issues of stress, sleep, sleep quality, um, mental performance. I think those are things you also mentioned. Um, So as consumer interest is increasing in these certain areas, I think brands and suppliers are also quickly reacting to to move products to market and tap into this demand. And what we're seeing as a result is that some market categories are becoming quite saturated and therefore a little bit more difficult to to differentiate your offering. And you highlighted the importance of transparency and simplicity to consumers who really are overwhelmed already by the variety of choice. I actually think that was a pre-existing trend in in some categories, but now so more than ever. Um, so my question now, Joel, is how can brands be competitive in you know particularly noisy categories? Right, um, very true. There is a lot of competition. I think there are a couple of key points that all brands need to take into account in order to remain competitive, and as I say, remain in the pole position, and and really lead the category. The first thing is is they need to keep in touch with evolving audience trends. Those brands that are not linked by data and do not look at the data daily on what's happening with their audiences are really going to lose track. So we've got to understand our audience deeply. Secondly, we need to keep in touch with those key health trends. You've you've mentioned immunity, there's sleep, there's stress, etc. Let's look at what's happened in the organic industry. There has been a meteoric 
increase in conversion from traditional foods to organic foods, right? Because people are more interested and cognitive of the effect of pesticides, etc., on their health. So those key health trends we have to keep in view, as well as personalization, prevention, and so forth, which has been around for many years. Second, thirdly, we've got to keep in touch with all of those touch points. What are the touch points? At what point do our brands touch the audience? And how do we make sure that we have relevance? And there are a couple of points. Number one, this is for long-term brand success. We need to, number one, spend a lot of time and effort building brand reputation, maintaining or building trust, and building authority. So there are a couple of ways that one could do that. Secondly, and as importantly, we have to have brand distinctiveness. Let me take the medicinal cannabis um, industry in Australia, for example. There are multiple brands and they're launching every single day. One cannot tell one apart from the other unless one releases a scientific paper. How do we develop and establish that distinctiveness between supplement brands, between nutrition brands and so forth? Number three is, and this is linked to distinctiveness, we have to develop and create fame for the brand for the right reasons. And remember, during this time, brands needed to stop overtly selling and try to drive sales, but rather become a trusted partner and want needed to lean into supporting the audience. It just was not relevant and it would have been in bad taste to just sell, sell, sell when people are under so much stress. So how do we create fame in the right way for the right reason? Number four is... For long-term brand success, it is imperative that brands become part of everyday culture. And what does that mean? Let's just say we've got an organic wine, for example. If they want to become part of culture, they've got to understand their audience. If they are connecting with a millennial audience, if that's their primary audience, what matters to those people most? Is it something in fashion? Is it something in recycling? Is it something in sustainability? And then how do they infuse themselves into the slipstream, literally, very gently and quietly into culture? Number five is, and I've said this before, but I can't reiterate this enough, is keep evolving as audience needs evolve. And as you've said, Charlotte, times are still evolving. There are going to be major changes. In Australia, we know that JobKeeper ends in March 2021. Likely, there's going to be a new rash of businesses going under, new rash of people losing their jobs and so forth. And we've got to keep very, very close to our consumer. And then number six, and the most important, is to ensure that we embrace digital communications. We have to involve, evolve as brand marketers, and it's not only for B2C, but it's for B2B as well. Better communications with our retailers and our suppliers, more effective promotion, more effective learning. We know that you've gone to virtual conferences, right? Mm -hmm. Every single thing that we do has to have a digital touch point. And if we don't have that, we're going to get left behind. But the key thing is, is once we've got all of this in place, we've got to start to build that relationship. And what does it take? It takes repeated exposure 
in a number of different ways, iterations, timeframes to that audience. We've got to create those distinctive ideas across creative with messaging, which we need to make sure has multiple media applications repeatedly to keep up that messaging and just keep building that relationship one step at a time. And ultimately, the brands that do that are the ones that are going to build that authentic long-term connection where they become the trusted partner in the health and well-being journey of the audience. Yeah, I think that those are really the key points. Jill, no, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing those guidelines. Um, you mentioned the frequent tracking of health trends and keeping in touch with the, the consumer base and the customer base, which I think is really important for brands wanting a view of the current landscape. I think um, proactive companies are also doing their best to invest in data and analytics to really keep in tune with what's going on. But I think if we consider this long-term vision, which you were touching on, and I really want to expand on that now, I think the long-term vision is, is cloudy sometimes at best for many companies companies. And I think it's really important that, yes, we want to react now. We want to um, plug holes in the current environment. But I think companies also do want to be successful in the long term. So how important is it to to build a brand marketing strategy that is centered very much on a, on a long term success vision? And what are your tips for achieving that? Very good question. I think, Charlie, there are two things. Number one is any brand, however old it is or however many years it's been in market, needs to absolutely invest in the long term on building reputation, trust and authority. Those are non-negotiable. How we bring those to life, in what way, depends on the sentiment of the market at the time. And that's where we need agility. So it's like two levers are being pulled at once. We've got to always develop that trust and authority and we've got to work at it consistently to ensure that we do deliver. And we do that through thought leadership programs, which we roll out every quarter for our brands to ensure that we just keep on repeating that message and trust keeps building um, for the long term. In terms of the short term, It is about looking, number one, at the audience trends, understanding the sentiment and understanding what they need. I'll give you an example. We have one brand where we went into lockdown March 30. By the second week in April, we had completely redefined our communications for their audience. We realized that we needed to stop selling. We needed to start supporting in our messaging. We went digital fast. We gave them added value in the terms of in in the form of ebooks, in the form of webinars, in the form of um, videos and so forth, which were there really to help them traverse this time. So they were practitioners. And that kind of agility, deep thinking and deep listening uh, to what's happening in the moment, and then uh, uh, translated into a practical and tactical strategy which embraces these changes is absolutely key and that is fundamental to success. Fundamentally, we need to understand what's happening with consumer behavior. We need to understand what's happening with essentialism, how people are embracing it in the moment and how do we keep on evolving and tweaking those strategies to remain relevant and on the money. 
Great, Jill. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's really important that we do consider the long-term vision as much as um, brands are trying to react to what's currently going on. Jill, it's been such a pleasure having you on board and sharing um, your tips and guidelines for brand marketing strategies and really succeeding in this transition world. As much as there is a lot of clutter out there, I think brands are trying their best to navigate as best possible and really serve um, the health and well-being needs of the consumer. Um, before we wrap, Jill, I know that you spent your lockdown writing and launching your new book. I can't believe how quickly you put that together. And Should we just close off and you just tell us a little bit about your book? Thank you very much for the opportunity. Well, Charlie, you know, a little bit earlier I spoke about this time being either a trauma or an opportunity. For me, I saw it as an opportunity. And as an agency owner, I had to take care, was responsible for leading my team, many of them millennials through this time, who've never worked through a GFC or any crisis of such nature. Um, and I remember the first day that I was sitting, March the 30th, we had our Monday morning meeting and all of these faces were looking at me via Zoom. And I said to myself, Jill, what are you going to do about this? How are you going to lead through this time? There were three things. Number one is I knew I needed to take care of their mental health and well-being as well as physical. Secondly, we needed to take care of all of our health and well-being clients who had great and evolving needs. And thirdly, I needed to take care of the business and make sure that we survived and thrived. And I said to myself, what can you do that's distinctive? So all of the terminology that I've been sharing with you, I applied to our own business. And I knew through this time over the last 18 years of of owning and this agency, um, I'd had the good fortune of being connected with some of the world's leading health and well-being experts globally in prevention, preventative health in neurology, cardiology, psychology, and so forth. So what I decided to do is right at the beginning of lockdown, I decided to write a book and I thought, let me pick up the phone and speak to my contacts who I'm deeply grateful for having. Uh, 10 in the United States, three in Europe, and the balance in Australia. I spoke to mm. 21 global health and well-being experts, and I asked them their point of view, not only about how to survive physically, what supplements we needed, how we build immunity, how do we maintain good sleep habits, but more importantly, about how to build mental well-being, mental resilience in order to survive and thrive. And that's how the book was written, and I'm deeply honoured to have had many of the global leaders who I'm sure some of your audience would have met and or know about to help me. It was very uplifting, as you can imagine, talking to them in the middle of this crisis um, to help share these insights for me then to share with our audiences. And it was has been the most amazing journey for which I'm deeply grateful. The book is available on Amazon. The first three chapters are available for free on my website www.the6amagency.com.au and I welcome any of your um, members and audience to come onto the website and download the first three chapters and have a look and see you know my point of view and the point of view of 21 global experts health and well-being experts on how to build and maintain resilience. Super, thank Thanks. you so much. Awesome. Well, well done for seizing opportunity in, in, in the time of lockdown. I really commend you for that. And um, for anybody listening, we will include a link um, on this page to where you can find Jill's book as well as the, the first three chapters. Jill, thank you so much for joining me again. It's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much, Charlotte, and stay well. <laughs>